Think of the children. Like the guy says, you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. A pig fool. It's fun. If he dies, he dies. Oh, oh, somebody please think of the children. I just want to say one thing to my wife was home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast. Where you we don't have to kiss franchise. back. What was that? <laughs> I said where you don't have to kiss back. Oh, yeah. You, you kiss your franchise but you don't have to kiss back. <laughs> uh, we're talking about we're talking about Rocky and the start of the Rocky franchise, and it is going to be a Rocky start. That's as good of a joke as uh, Rocky tells Adrian in the pet shop every day. Um, we, I, I'm me. I'm I'm Andy Wilson, your host. Uh, check me out on graphic policy, uh, writing about movies sometimes. Very, very special guest this week, Roy Fillmore of the Yours, Mine, and Theirs podcast. Welcome back. Oh, Andy, thank you. It's a pleasure being back. I'm, what was the last one I did with you guys? I, I had to have done one of the princesses. Did I do uh, uh, Little Mermaid? I think I did a Little yeah, Mermaid. Yeah, you did Little Mermaid. Mermaid. I'm trying to. Did you come back for any of the ones after Little Mermaid? No, I meant I to. Remember. It just never worked out. But uh, you know, the Little Mermaid. I was... think I take the I take the blame for that one. <laughs> it's okay. A, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Little Mermaid. I, I feel like it was an important one because that was like the beginning of the Disney animated renaissance, right? Uh, yeah. They're they're kind of big comeback. But anyway, the point is, is uh, this is the the this is the franchise that really matters. So I we I might as well, right? Um, so as far as I'm concerned, like. Like the quality of movie by movie, this might be the greatest movie franchise, or at least the most enjoyable of all time. Um, if, especially if you don't believe in Rocky Five, if if you can I agree with you, yeah. If you can Ugh. excuse Rocky Five, the rest of these movies, I mean, none of them are Casablanca, although the original Rocky's pretty darn good. But like every single one of these movies is so entertaining, um, except for Rocky Five, which doesn't and exist, so it doesn't matter. Or Rocky One, which is the most boring, slow. <laughs> Moving in the history. <laughs> it, it, so we, we, I mean, we can talk about it um, when we're going to, because we're talking about it. But I, I will say, like, while I, when I was like, I think I had the same view of Rocky One as I had of uh, a Star Wars: A New Hope for a long time, where like the front half of the movie just I just dragged and I just like it was so boring. Um, but but now that I'm older, and JB, you'll understand when you're older. Um, <laughs> like I think the front half of the movie is the most important half of the movie. Oh. Uh, anyway, we'll talk. Yeah, I agree. And Brooke, you Hi. nominated this franchise, and I, I know you love the Rocky movies. I do love them. I do, and also, I hate it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I love them. I hate it. I hate so much of it in this first movie, but then it's like, like it. I think you get to this point where it's like the movie is going and you're like, 
this is the slowest movie ever. And then you're like, what? There's only 20 minutes left? Why? <laughs> how is my movie over? Because all of a sudden you're enjoying every single moment of this movie. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about them because of all of the mixed feelings that I have and all the different ways they do feel about it and how I really, truly, honestly don't believe two people were ever meant more for each other than adrian and rocky but also holy shit there's <laughs> such screwed up crap that happened i keep forgetting that roy's here i'm gonna try not to swear so much roy um, oh it's your it's your guys's podcast you you let your, no, your you, but you what know, if your dad listens and he hears the psychobabble that's so, nine it's not, nine thirty the holy ghost is asleep <laughs> so, oh, don't forget. so so we can honor polly who was a retired sailor from the navy and you guys can you can talk like sailors. So, um, oh, okay. I was what so what what sets this movie apart from the rest of the franchise is every movie after this one. Like the the point of the every movie is the fight from number two on, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a little mm-hmm. less number two, but really it's the build up for the fight. And in this movie, the fight is almost an afterthought. I mean, I mean the movie builds up to it, oh, but but I mean the fight ends and it's like I'm you know. It, it just it, it goes by so fast. It's eight minutes. Eight minutes is the fight, and it just goes by really fast. And then in the end, it almost doesn't even acknowledge the results of the fight. I'm right. going to look this up. I want to know what what the ratio is in each of these movies to how much time is actually spent boxing. So, well, I, I, do you want to? Well, boxing is a yeah, really does loose. Have, that's that's yeah. a really loose term for what Stallone is doing in Rocky. <laughs> so if, if you want to. I don't know if you want to count the club fight at the beginning of the movie, but if you don't, it's eight yeah. minutes. It's, it's eight, eight minutes, minutes of just the final fight. And the final round, which uh, um, boxing is three-minute rounds, but the final round is 56 seconds long. <laughs> I, I mean, hockey got screwed yeah. out of the victory there. I don't know. I, but, well, and we. I also want to point out that, Roy, we've, we've talked about this on a previous podcast. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I came on yours and John's podcast and we talked about movies where the antagonist wins and we talked about Rocky because Apollo Creed does win. And we made the point, Apollo Creed is not a villain. Uh, the original category was villains win and then we're like, but Apollo Creed isn't really a villain, but he is the no. antagonist. No, and he's um, so good. Apollo Creed is yeah. so good in this film and, and I love his character. Um, and, and it's just, he's great. He's Carl great. Weathers is great. Oh man. Yeah. I hope for you guys that, um, this Christmas you stayed inside because the Carl Weathers outside was frightful anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, this, this movie is so perfectly cast. Uh, like everyone is so good. I, and, uh, Talia Shire is just um, amazing in this. And I try to remember my dates, but this, when was the original Godfather? Was it before or after this? Yeah. And it she does seem a lot younger in the Godfather, <laughs> so that makes sense. But she's really good in, in this film. And I mean Rocky's probably the worst actor in this film, but of all the movies he does, this is probably still his best acting job. Um but and anyway. he's in almost every scene too. Yeah. With the exception of the Apollo Creed stuff, he is in every scene of this movie. Yeah. That's so crazy. I mean, yeah. So we can tell you guys a lot of things that you you probably already know about Rocky, and I don't know if we want to waste a lot of time. Oh. I I find this 
movie really fascinating in how believable each of their characters are Mm -hmm. for where they would have been coming from. And I think that following up at the end of like all of the princess movies and all the generational trauma of the princess movies going into Rocky is like a really fantastic segue into especially the relationship between Polly and Adrian. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it, it was interesting to me the way that they portray it and they do this very clever thing, which I don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but like the idea of what happens when your parents are gone and you still are carrying all this generational trauma and, and you now no longer have anywhere else to put it except on each other. And you have to act through it. And, and what does it do to you to not have any guidance through it? And like, and I think that the theme between Polly and Adrian throughout all of the movies and their relationship with each other and the, the, the realistic portrayal of, of Rocky and his like continuance in vulnerability, his continuance in trying to show kindness and acceptance and like softness while also being this very hurt masculine man. Like there's something very fascinating and, and t- like it, like you can taste it almost that keeps you just wanting more. I don't know. I, you I can, love that. You feel, it feels like you can feel it. Right. I mean, so like this whole movie, as you're watching it, you worry about, am I going to get an STD by watching this film? Because yes. like, this whole, this whole movie is filthy, right? Like Philadelphia is filthy. His apartment is filthy. Uh, like his apartment is so disgusting. Um, but I, but I, I think the point of, of Rocky is he knows it. Right. And he, he's not, he doesn't want to become accustomed to it and he wants to get out of it and he wants to rise above it and he keeps trying and he keeps failing. Um, and there's just like little details. Like he's got the filthiest apartment in the world, but he also has a Caravaggio painting hanging up. Um, <laughs> and it happens to, a Caravaggio happens to be a painter who was also a boxer. So that's fascinating. And the painting he has hanging up is one about a saint who's uh, raising a beggar up out of the streets. So, right, it's about, improving your situation and so um i there, there's there's three really pivotal scenes and i just want to hit him real quick right the the first is uh when he's giving the pep talk to marie right because rocky is failing to pull himself out of his bad situation but he tries to do it for other people and he gives he's her a this, bad word whore yeah so he gives her this pep talk and he goes on and on he's really got some steam going he thinks he's done some good and she's go and she she he drops her off and she says yo rocky he goes, he's like what he's like screw you creepo and but he like he's like yeah you know i've i have no right to try and moralize i you know what am i supposed to say i and you don't tell a 13 year old girl to not be a whore, be a whore. <laughs> you, like as, as well, a guy I mean, who's pushing 30 that's like he's that's trying, really creepy he's trying but he has no idea right yeah Right. right. And so, so, but what I love about Rocky, the, the, I think the most redeeming attribute for Rocky for me is that he's humble enough to know when he's wrong and that he mm-hmm. apologizes. Like, so the, the, the other scene I think of is Mickey, right? When Mickey comes and says, I want to be your manager. And by the way, I think Rocky's anger in that scene is so justified. Mickey's never given him the time of, of day. And, and Mickey like says, well, it's mm-hmm. because you decided to be alone 
a collector for a loan shark. But if Mickey had really wanted to, he could have tried to help Rocky. But then Rocky, after he's done venting himself, he chases Mickey down and he apologizes, right? And he makes it right. And then uh, he kind of has a similar situation with Adrian later when they were already dating right but he says no fooling around i'm in training and he just <laughs> it's my favorite line not my favorite line in the whole movie but it's right out there where he says just make the meat <laughs> and every now and then <laughs> i use that line here at home and it never goes over well and i try to it's a, see, valerie it's a what joke a surprise right? it's, i'm just joking about but it never goes over well but like it's not a nice line right and, and all of a sudden he's kind of become her new poly for just a second and he realizes it and he apologizes Right. I love that Rocky accepts when he's wrong and he can apologize for it, but he's he can't lift himself out of his situation, but he's desperately trying to lift others out of the situation. So we might as well talk about the scene. Right. I mean, do you just could we want to get this? Get sure. This? We want to talk about that date scene. Yeah. Well, first, we, we do want to welcome returning champ Melissa Hi. to the to the ring. So thank you for being here. Hi, Melissa. Don't worry, like this movie, we're only going to be in the ring for three and a half minutes. <laughs> can you hear me? Now we can. Yay! Yay. <laughs> False start. Well, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so let's talk about this. Yeah, so we're, 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 talking about, we're talking about the date, right? Um, oh, so so I, I think Rocky has a theory about Adrian, and it's really misguided. And I think it's kind of his theory... Um, about people in general that 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 if she's given an opportunity that he can provide that she can become better than she is and i think maybe all she really needs is to get out from underneath polly i mean i think that would be so enormously healing yeah. <laughs> to just be away from polly but but so rocky thinks that he can he can help her and so and but they have this date and he convinces her to come in she doesn't want to come in um, as soon as she gets in, he locks the door. Uh, is he locking her in or is Philly just really unsafe and he always locks the door? I don't know, but it still feels pretty creepy. Um, but then he's he's kind enough to offer her a spot on his filthy couch where he has to shove aside some some dirty newspapers. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's so gross. But, but and then, OK, so he tell you know, he has the the moment where he takes off her glasses and he takes off her hat and. And Rocky, this is you may think this is romantic, but it's not. When you tell a girl that you knew she was pretty if she just like I knew you were pretty if you would just take off your glasses and hat. So whatever. I I, I <laughs> but um then the whole thing where he's like, Okay, I'm gonna kiss you, but you don't have to kiss me. But before this, she has said, I wanna leave. And Rocky, you really just should have, you know, walked her home. Um, I do wanna say though, I don't think Rocky is like our James Bond, right? I don't think because I think James Bond is going right. to get what he wants no matter what happens. Um, and, and Adrian shouldn't have to do this because she's already done enough in saying no when I feel uncomfortable. But I feel like if he had started to kiss her and she you know, held up her hands or pushed him away, I don't think this ends in a rape. That doesn't mean what happened was great, right? Because I understand the concept of it's, all, it's, it's pretty much the same thing if you get worn down to the point where you're just tired of saying no. So right. I get that. But I... I, I uh, so it's not a great scene. Um, and I, I think, I, I don't know, do we do studio notes, whatever? If, yeah. If when, he, if, he, if when he went to kiss her, if instead of her just freezing and him kissing her unmoving lips, if she had leaned in and, and participated in the first kiss, it would have helped. <laughs> 
but uh then they wrestle he wrestles her to the ground and and that's history i guess so there's a lot that goes on in that scene for me personally i think i'll start at the one of the parts that's the hardest for me of like as far as like bringing up things from my own personal experience when he goes in for the kiss and he says i'm going to kiss you but you don't have to kiss me back again i don't know if they were nuanced enough to know what they were doing when they shot this scene but the way that she flinches and pulls away from him each time that he goes in to kiss her is so very real of being in a situation and a situation that you've asked not to be in that she was very clear like my choice here is go inside or walk home on my own. Uh, he doesn't have a phone. There's a, there's a fucking knife in a mattress on his <laughs> column. Like, and the there's there's so much going on in that scene. Um, that it does feel like having to forgive it. That scene, throughout the rest of the series, and it does feel. I watched it with one of my friends last night. She also likes these movies like I do. And both of us were like, as you watch the scene, you can't help but be outraged. At least I can't. Like, it's really actually very enraging for me to watch it. And it makes me wonder, like, when you see them in the pet shop and you see the awkwardness between them, there's, there is a likeness between their characters that from the outside looking in you're like these two would be a good match but how do we get to a point of accepting that they are a good match when that is how it starts he doesn't he doesn't even ask her out he goes to her brother and they arrange this whole thing and she's forced out of the house and every time that she's used her voice regardless of what there may be underneath, regardless of what we're being led to believe that she truly wants, doesn't fucking matter when her voice, when herself, when her own words are saying no. Like, I really, I don't know that I ever forgive it. I accept the premise. I buy the bit. I accept that they're together. And at the end, when he's hugging her and she says she loves it, like I cry every fucking time. Like I, but it's, it is truly having made a conscious decision in my mind to pretend as though it didn't start that way and to, um, to have to dismiss how horrific those scenes really truly are. Yeah. So I think it goes, I mean, it's the writer, right? Because yeah. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is a, is a notoriously conservative guy. So actually I, I worked for one of those three letter agencies um, in the early two thousands. And I had to watch like a video about, don't forget to secure your computer when you go to the bathroom. And it was starring Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> it was just so weird. Right. But, <laughs> but um, I think like he just thought, that this is the character and the only she can't open up without help. And and it's so wrong. He's, he's wrong. He's absolutely right. wrong in his writing. 
but I think that's the idea, right? That that she'll never open up and until he helps her. I don't know. But again, yeah, no, like it doesn't it doesn't invalidate one bit um, how you feel and how you per, how you see it. And and right, it is. There's there's nothing great about it. Um, and I mean, the the blame kind of all lies on Sylvester Stallone, who thought that this was this was a uh, this was an appropriate way for him to help Adrian open up. Right. And that, that's exactly it. And the, the fact that this was, you know, acceptable as well, you know, well, she doesn't know what she wants. Yeah. She's, she's quote unquote shy or, you know, whatever. And so, well, I'm just going to show her and then, then she's going to decide that that is what she wants. Like that's. Do a, you really feel like they had any concern for what she wants, or is it just what? He no, wants? absolutely not. Because I don't what think I'm, he thought that he was helping her out of Rochelle. I don't think that he thought he was doing this for her in any way whatsoever. I think he I, right, just decided exactly. what he wanted. So I kind of kind of disagree because I don't think Rocky is meant. I, I don't think Rocky is. I don't think Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky as a, a rapist, right? It's like Rocky's going to get what Rocky wants. I really think that that he wrote him, and it, like, again, it doesn't excuse it. I, I don't, I don't think, think he, they saw that as rape, even though it's just what Rocky wants. 100 percent, right? And um, I feel like that's kind of the bigger problem. Like I don't think he was writing it as a rape exactly. scene or as any of these things. Yeah. It just was. Yeah, it just was the way things were done, and I think yeah. again. I don't think it meant to be that nuanced. I think he captured something very, very telling about the time, which yeah. to be quite honest, after watching Lords of Flatbush and, and watching this, like it's absolutely astonishing to me that we have evolved as yeah. a species, that we have become better, that there was any motivation at any level for anyone to ever do it better because both of those movies were written exactly how things were. Yeah. So, and not the way that they should be or could be or with any idealism. It just, it just was. And Lord, Lords of Flatbush is such a bad movie, isn't it? And it's it's almost, it's almost Rocky. Like it's almost Rocky. And and it's, But, but it's so bad. Watching him and seeing him in that movie and then seeing the way that Adrian was written and seeing the way that for that time in those areas, like I, I truly believe that this is exactly how it would have happened. I don't, I don't believe it was seen as rapey. I, I think he saw himself as what was best for her. Yeah. I right. don't think he took into consideration what she wanted or her thoughts or opinions and what was best for her. I think he just decided. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I, the, the proof then moving forward is like her character as the movie goes on, like she starts telling jokes, which is a new thing for her. Right. Or like mm-hmm. she, she starts, you know, she, she changes. Right. And that that's like, you know, proof that Rocky's theory was right. She needed help opening up. Right. So that's, and that's how, the, the movie's written, but I 100% agree with you, uh, 100%. So, so it's a really it, it's a it's such an uncomfortable scene, and I understand that how how bad it must be for pe- for people who have had similar experiences. Um, the song, however, um, that is one groovy '70s song. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I mean, again, 
I, I want to talk about this when we when we get to talking about Apollo Creed and, and Carl Weathers, but the the time that this is coming out, I feel like this is. I don't think it's an overt political statement. I don't think Rocky intended to be a political movie, but it has this subtext. It has this undertone (laughs) of like pushing back on like women's liberation and like black liberation. And so what we're getting is a narrative about like a, a low class, white guy who is going to live the American dream and he's going to get the girl and he doesn't care about, you know, these, these bra burners or, you know, um, or about like whatever. And again, like Rocky is not racist. He in fact, like pushes back against the racist bartender. But, um, but he is presenting this like sort of kind of revanchist political ideal of you know the 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 greatness of of the white american dream and the great white hope and um and and the and the masculinity of it all and you know it you know just sylvester stallone you know 20 something guy you know writing a screenplay in 72 hours and boy you can tell sometimes not (laughs) taking into account like whoa what must the psychology of women actually be like when they're in these situations doesn't matter rocky's the main character rocky wants adrian rocky needs to have a relationship with adrian this is how he's going to do it and it's going to be about oh this is how rocky gets her to quote unquote come out of her shell and he sees that as neutral or positive. Yeah. Um, we look at it and are like, that is horrible. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and, but it's reflective of the attitudes of the time. I'm, I'm sure this movie would not have been the number one movie at the 1976 box office if, you know, people were like, oh, but he's a rapist. Like, yeah. It is. It is good that we have come that far to be like, this is not good. So I wish I could go back to 1976 and tell white America, buckle up because you're going to have Larry Bird and John Stockton. Then it's pretty much over. <laughs> so it, it's fascinating. 1976 is only a decade after the Civil Rights Act was passed, right? Right. Um, and but and I and I feel like. Like for black people at the time, like they, they, there was a progression, there was ascension, and certainly there was, I mean, there were still tons of racist issues. But I, I feel like if we hadn't had the war on drugs, I don't you think we would be living in a fairly different uh, societal uh, construct right now? It, it just seems like that was such an enormous setback. But anyway, yeah, uh, um, yeah. So, I, what I do like about this movie though is they don't like pretend that race isn't a part of this they it's brought up multiple times right uh reporters bringing it up um uh apollo creed brings it up and like you said rocky pushes back against the racist bartender and i i guess i don't i mean i didn't i don't know was philly a really super white city in the 70s 
No, it was it was fairly mixed. Okay, but but there were but there were white working class areas, and you know, and if you were, you know, a dock worker, you know, those were white union jobs that came through like a, a union machine that you know dates back to the days when you know the the Irish and the Italians kind of the you know the the mob the the, the gangs helped run the unions you know it's all kind of and the police force and they're all kind of part and parcel of the the same machine and the same thing so it's you know it's um but but i do like you know apollo coming in and like dressing up as george washington oh isn't that great yeah he's like i'm reclaiming this in the same way that like today we have you know hamilton trying to reclaim reclaim that you know apollo creed's doing it doing it first and and that's the that's the ascendant moment and and he's so great oh he's uh, so good apollo creed's awesome and the fight is short but there's a great moment in the beginning of the fight where apollo creed gets knocked down by rocky and apollo is shocked and you can see it in his eyes and everything changes right and he's not he's not trained up like he should be but have you ever watched um when we were kings um, the George Foreman uh, fight against Muhammad Ali, the Rumble in the Jungle. Mm-mm. So, like a couple rounds in, there's you can just see it in Muhammad Ali's eyes that he misjudged this fight and that he needs to I've change. Seen that. Yeah, he needs. You can just see it, right? He he's misjudged the fight and he needs to change his tactics. And he ends up beating Foreman, but he has to change things up. And and the same kind of thing happens for Apollo Creed here. He realizes, wow, I misjudged this. And then he becomes all business, but it's too late because he hasn't prepared for this fight. And he still wins, um, in, you know, in case any of you guys, you know, didn't watch or didn't hear the last uh, few seconds. In case you couldn't tell from the movie. <laughs> the part where he wins. <laughs> well, wins, but, and, but then that's the setup for Rocky, too. He wins, but he doesn't really win. So I feel like this movie, though, I mean, even though, like, Sylvester Stallone is the is the is the king of, of Fred. man, he sequels everything. Right. But I feel like this was not initially written um, with a sequel in mind. And so I, I think that Sylvester Stallone was probably content with the ending. He wasn't like, well, I'll have him lose this time because next movie he's going to win. I think this was yeah. the ending. Right. And I, and I love it because they're announcing the split decision, but if you're not listening carefully, you don't catch it. And what we do have is Adrian runs into the, the ring and Adrian sees Rocky and Rocky Caesar. And what does he say? Where's your hat? Right? Like his line is, where's your hat? <laughs> like, it's such a mundane thing to say, but, but, but he just like everything uh, that she is, is all he really cares about. And that's a detail that he notices that he, she's missing mm-hmm. her hat. And then they, you know, they tell each other, they love each other. And the movie ends, they're hugging while you hear and still heavyweight champion Apollo Creed in the background. Yeah, well, because Rocky didn't need to win he needed to, to accomplish his goals. He went the distance. And he isn't the girl? That's an amazing part of this film too, because this movie beats you over the head with the fact that Rocky is not going to win this match, right? It, it, it's it, they tell you it, um, and then but as you're watching the movie, you're like, maybe he can pull it off. Maybe right as as the fight progresses, like he's got a real chance. Um, but uh, yeah, he he doesn't win and. Uh, I anyway. wonder if people kept going back to see this movie over and over again, hoping like maybe this time the judges will 
we'll <laughs> you know, there's a few movies like that. Probably make, please make a different decision, even though I, <laughs> I've seen this movie a million times. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is this movie ended the just the way it needed to. And and uh, man, I love this movie. This uh, uh, this movie's got a, a lot of heart. And I, I feel like Rocky is. <sighs> He's kind of, I don't want to say he's all of us. I don't want to be too that, like that's the symbol that we are all trying to be Rocky. But but like we're all trying to be better, right? At least I hope we are. I, I feel like if you're not trying to be better and if you're just satisfied with who you are, then then I guess good. And if you're happy, that's great. But it, but we should all be trying to be better. And, and you know, Rocky gets a serious chance to do so. Um and, 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 you know, initially he says no, because he's, he's so freaked out at, at the idea of this opportunity, but, but he takes it. But, but he's not just trying to make himself better. He's trying to make everyone around him better, and he's often very misguided, but he's trying. And, and I feel like, man, if we were all just trying to be better, and not just be better, but recognize when we're wrong, apologize when we're wrong, how much better would politics be if people could just admit when they were wrong? Right. Like, hey, I was wrong. I had some bad information and and I was wrong or society in general. You know, how why is that so hard when you get new or better information? Then that's acceptable. Right. What I thought I believed was wrong. And and I admit it. And it's so hard for people to do that. But um, but that's Rocky. I think that's why I love him so much. Um, He cares so much about others and he's he's humble enough to to be wrong and to try to move on, right? It's all about getting hit uh, and getting back up. Yeah. Anyway, which by the way, uh, we discussed this on our podcast, but he has a a fighting style called a counter puncher, (laughs) which is to absorb punches until the other person is tired. And then, I mean, Rocky's a really powerful puncher, so (laughs) he only needs to land a few punches. Uh, So counter punchers, never win by tko they only win by knockout and usually in the late rounds and also they have really short careers uh and it usually ends in brain damage so uh, which <laughs> except for the short career is uh definitely true here yeah so i mean when i when, when you start off with brain damage who cares if you end that way yeah <laughs> so that my one of my the best simpsons episodes of all time is the one where homer's the boxer right and he just totally does the homer he just sits there and gets punched in the head until the other person uh, falls over but uh yeah that's a that's an actual boxing strategy called counter punching and and I don't know, man. I guess Doesn't whatever. Seem like that's not a strategy. I'm, I'm down no. for. So, yeah. Um, oh man. JB and Melissa have been have been uh, quiet here, and I I'm sure that you both have. Sorry for opinions here. Manipulating, not manipulating, for hijacking your podcast. Manipulating. Me too. We did it together. No, I love you guys very much. Fine. Y'all are fine. Um, I do have some things to say. Uh, I just didn't want to interrupt your flow, but um, it's funny. It's, I I too feel that this is a product of its era. Um, and I I'm actually you know I've in the past done some research on the year this came out because. Um, that's the year I was born. I I was like a month old when this movie came out. And, um, so I, you know, it's fascinating to see like what was going on when you were born because you don't remember it, of course. And, um, this movie could not have come out at a better time because it it seemed from what I can tell, 
like people were really looking for like underdog type stories. Um, this is the same year Bad News Bears came out, and that's pretty much like a huge underdog type of story and sports related too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 the seventies was a weird decade, um, fueled by a lot of drugs and a, and a lot of, um, social upheaval that was still happening. You know, the civil rights movement may have been a decade before, but it wasn't over. It's still not yeah. over really when you think about it. And, um, you know, we're, we're like four years removed from Reaganomics. You know what I mean? Like there's just so much upheaval going on. And so many changes in society that were kind of on the brink, you know, I mean, just a few years later, you had like, like Stonewall, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 um, so this movie, I think, was sort of like almost clinging to the ideals and, and the, you know, uh, of, sort of middle America, I think. And it appealed to people. I mean, I mean, underdog stories appeal to most people, I think. Right. Unless you're one of those like villain worshipers that we've always talked about. Right. Um, I, and and I think that's part of its appeal even today, you know, it, because it, you're right. I don't think it was meaning to make an overt political statement, but it did, whether it realized it or not, because, you know, a white man, wrote it and i think that the privilege shows there you know being able to pull off a date like that and make people think that it was okay that date was not okay you know that date reminded me of um that song baby it's cold outside like you've got half the country who's like oh you're overreacting it's just a song and the other half who realize it's fucking rapey you know and um that's that whole scene and let me just say that she kind of gave in to him but if you submit to someone submission is not consent it's yep 100 percent. good yeah and that that is the best way I can phrase up that entire fucking date. Submission is not consent. And it, it, I um, I cringe even more because I haven't seen this movie in at least 20 years. I mean, it's been a long time. Um, but it, it's even more cringy now. You know, it, it's just with time, it's just worse. Um, but this this movie was very much a product of a confused era where I think people were already starting to question what masculinity is, what being a man or at least an American man is. Um, and this sort of played into that, whether it meant to or not. And, and so it just feels like it's at the beginning of these culture wars that we, that were really kind of embroiled in right now so it's it's fascinating in a lot of ways i have a lot of issues with the treatment of of um adrian and um how she's portrayed i do think that that being said when you look at the series as a whole not to get too ahead of ourselves here but she probably fared character wise way better than others who were just wildly inconsistent um, in their portrayals and, and their characterizations throughout the series. But this was a terrible start. Um, 
you know, they, I would not have been surprised if like she got hysterical at some point and, and Polly slapped her, you know how they, the woman, like, she's like, Oh, you know, the guy just slaps her and Oh, she's fine now. You know what I'm saying? She just needed a slap. They, they were like one part removed from that. You know what I mean? In her portrayal, because it's bad. It's really bad. But, um, and as someone who wears glasses, by the way, a little offensive that she had to take off the glasses before she's pretty. Fuck you. Um, but agreed. <laughs> girls in glasses are cute. I like girls in glasses, especially the horn rims. Um, yeah, I mean, she. I liked her better, uh, honestly, with them on. I, I maybe because I that just appeals to me. I don't know. But either way, she was beautiful. She didn't. You know what I'm mm. saying? And, and the thing is, he does not realize he's being. Uh, borderline rapey. He doesn't realize that that he was being rude with some of his comments. He, he thought he was being sweet and romantic and charming, and um, you know that's a product of its time. You know, and there's still you you could make this movie today and you'd get some backlash, but most people would be oh you're overreacting, and they would think it's perfectly acceptable. But once again, let me just reiterate: submission is not consent. So I don't, I don't know if you could make that scene exactly the same way today and get away with it. I, yeah. I, and I hope you couldn't, right? I would like to think we've moved along far enough. So one, one of the things that, I don't know if I, I want to say troubles me the most about this film, but is so head-scratching to me, although I, I think I might have an answer, is why does Rocky hold on to Polly as a friend? Like, what is the redeeming quality of Polly? Well... May I? I think he has that many other friends, quite honestly. I also believe that that they captured something really special in the portrayal of Polly and Adrian. In in like what happens to kids whose parents are gone, who have all of this trauma left on them. What do you do with that? Where do you take it? You don't get to just blame your parents anymore. Now you just acted out on each other, wanting to do it differently and wanting to be better than but like in rocky he sees all the worst things about himself excuse me in Polly, rocky sees all the worst things that he really believes about himself he really believes like as he walks away from the 13 year old that he just called a whore marie that who is he to say anything who like of course he's this bum of course he's and the whole movie is him wanting to be more than what Polly is. But who is he if he gives up on Polly? So I, I, I think that's excellent. And I, and I, I think I agree with that, that like he sees Polly as, well, it, it, like you said, if I give up on Polly, then, then I have to give up on myself, right? Like if, if, if Polly right. can't be a better person, then what, what hope do I have? Right. Although, uh, I, Rocky, maybe you're giving yourself a little less credit than you deserve because, like, of course he is. Like, of course he like he's he's steeped in this garbage that he was left in without without anyone to take him out of. You've got Mickey who says, "Yeah, well, you just became you just became you know the front man for uh, what I don't remember the words that he uses." Um, cheap rate loan shark. Yeah, a cheap rate loan shark, right? Like he, he, but then he also looks to Mickey as someone who should have saved him, but he can't see that what Mickey did was actually was like that his, his anger was justified, that all these things were like he, he had a, 
a right to believe in himself more than that. He had a right to, to have feelings about these things, but it really is so. And I think that's part of why all of us are drawn to Rocky. I see all the worst parts of me. I see all of the things that, that I was told and led to believe through abuse and through all of these different things. And, and as I watched Rocky walk out into the stadium and sees this like garbage picture of himself put up opposite this amazing picture of Apollo Creed. Right. And he's like, I can't do this. Who, who the fuck am I to be here? Like, as I watched it this time, I thought that is exactly how I feel every time I get on Instagram. Who the fuck am I to be using my voice to talk to anyone? Is it true? No. Do I believe it still? Yes. Do I also know better than it? Yes, I do. But the programming is so deep. And I think that especially being Adrian's brother and feeling not only like familial obligation, but just this desire to believe that if Polly can be better, then maybe Rocky really is better. Maybe all these things that he's earning for himself are the reality of who he is instead of all of the crap that he still believes about himself. Uh, I, I, I really like that. So it, it's fascinating, the, the, the mistake of his picture, right, where the trunks are the wrong color. Um, yeah. That was an accident, and they just didn't have the budget to fix it. But what an important and wonderful part of the story mm-hmm. that becomes, right? That yeah. he realizes no one cares, no one believes in him, right? But yeah. uh, but uh, by the end of the match, he's bled so much his trunks are red anyway. <laughs> but it's it's so it's so good, and I I don't want to say that's the best scene of the movie, but it's it's up there because it's that moment when he's there, and all of that insecurity is there, and he's like, oh. Everybody expects me to fail. Great. Then all I can do is is go the distance and be the best that I can. Was it Mr. Jurgens? Is that his name? When he says it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so, oh. ah, man. So, in the scene where Rocky goes home and tells Adrian that that, that he doesn't have a chance at winning, um, budget wise, they they wanted to cut that scene. <laughs> Oh, I'm so no, glad they did not. No. Yeah. Again, a, another one of the best scenes in the movie. So, did JB have something to add moments. to that? JB, you're up, buddy. Well, so Brooke, I like I like everything you're saying, and I think I struggle with two things about this movie. One, the character I think is exactly what you're saying, where it's a it's a masculine archetype that's having to reassess what masculinity really is. I think the problem is this movie isn't very good in general, so it's hard to critically analyze. Right. Ouch, shots fired. It's it's not a good film. It's slow. It's paced bad. And and it goes back to, Roy, what you said. It just – they had 28 days. It wasn't a director that knew how to make a movie like this, right? Like like it was hamstrung just like Rocky was. Oh, hey, by the way, Melissa – this this director also directed one of your other favorite movies that yes, we covered on I this podcast. No, don't even start. With- <laughs> <laughs> also, no, also involving uh, boxing, uh, the power of one. Oh, but no, the Avildsen also did Karate Kid, which is which, basically where that worked, karate. right? Which right. which is where this also worked 
I think. So, but I will say, like, I mean, go ahead and keep talking, JB, but I just 100% disagree with you. I think this is a brilliant film. I think it's it's very well done. And, and I think the, the the budgetary restrictions made this movie better. And, and I think this I was agree. kind of a lightning in a bottle film. And so I don't, you say that this is a bad film. It's just, it's not. And, and I mean, that's fine because we all have our differences in taste. And so for, for you, if you don't like this film, then that's completely justified. Well, no, I didn't say I didn't, I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said, so it's not a bad film. So, and I, okay. It's poorly made. It's not, I don't think it is poorly made. I think it's, it's well done. And and basically (laughs) the um, steady cam was more or less invented for this film or during this film. It was, Um, it was one of the first films to use it extensively. Yes. I think the third film overall, but the first one to nail such iconic shots as, you know, they, you know, even three, four years earlier, they wouldn't have been able to get those shots of him running yeah. up the steps. So, so I mean, JB, go ahead and keep talking and express your opinion. I just feel like I can't sit here and nod and agree with you when you say this is a bad film because I just, I, I, I disagree so strongly. Well, and I think again, terminology-wise, you're using the wrong terms. It's well, no, no, no. I think it's film. a good film. It has nothing to do with the fact that I like it. I think it's yeah. a really good film. Right, and that's fine. I think the other thing that we have to be careful of is the character growth is more manifest than you brought this up earlier, Roy, across the life of this uh, character. Right. And I think it's really hard to separate how much does this character learn in the first film versus what we know this character is going to be across all five films. And that's or six. That's if you really know. true. I think and that's, payoff even in the Creed movie. And that's, that where I think, like and that's where I think this movie is really, I don't view this as just a movie as so much as a springboard. Right. Because I think this character grows so much throughout the whole set of movies. Right. I mean, the relationship with Creed and, and how the relationships grow with with all of these characters becomes so monumental and really, Brooke, you know, for lack of a better term, really helps define how the masculinity becomes in this character. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about this whole set is whether or not I think this first film is great or not great or whatever. I think this whole setup to your point, Roy, where this becomes a trilogy where this character is really drawn out and really develops relationships that you don't see very often in what a stereotypical masculine boxer role would be. And that's what I think is really cool about it is it really is. It's the start of a whole set of movies where this character really does something a lot of other characters don't. Uh, anyway, Brooke, go ahead. Cause I see your hand. Yeah. Up. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's part of what I love about these movies. And one of the things I wanted to point out is like, I didn't see these movies until I was in my 20s. I was uh, getting married yeah. for the second time I was getting married. And, and they are doing that stupid, like, let's play the game where they like do the little video and they ask you questions about your your fiance. And you have to answer them and see if you get them right. And they're like, what is what is Jared's favorite movie? And I was like, the Rocky movies, all three of them. And they like laughed at me because I had never seen them. And I didn't know that there was more than three. And so I watched them. And interestingly enough, I didn't understand. I didn't see. I didn't feel. I didn't know how to acknowledge how horrific the beginning beginning of Rocky and Adrian was Hmm. until I went back and watched these movies again when I started dating Riyadh and had come into myself, had left these negative relationships, had left the Mormon religion, had gone through a 
fuck ton of fucking therapy. And then I rewatched them again and I was astounded. I was appalled. I was like, it shook me to my core, which is part of why I think that scene still is so hard for me to watch because I didn't see it when I watched these movies the first time. It was such a part of my experience that I hadn't identified as being wrong that I didn't even see it when I watched them. And so to go back and watch them again, to have this new experience with them and to see it, it is so blaringly obvious if you've been given any context of self-worth and to know that me, I didn't see it. It's painful for me to watch these movies. It's hard for me to watch that beginning part, but then to also step outside of that and acknowledge like, here are two people who really did find each other, that they were pushing through all of their own shit and they, they came together as a unit and they do love it. And the, what's between them is real. And like, there's, there's so many mixed emotions in it for me when I watch it um, from having not seen it. And, and so when I watch them, I, I kind of forget, I kind of always forget exactly where this first movie stops and how, how slow the beginning is because it is just all this buildup of exposing the hurt masculine alongside his desire to be vulnerable and grow, even if it's kind of unconscious, right? And, and just how much of the movie is spent in that and how important that is and and what a foundation it lays for the rest of the movies all the way like you said andy into the creed movies um i do i every single time i get to the point where they're about to fight and where he goes into the arena and it's like well fuck there's only like 12 minutes left of this movie how why is it almost over but it's just like this this treacherous like hike and like climbing of the mountain to get there and and yeah. one of the things that I really like is just how fucking filthy he is. <laughs> and like I swear to God, they couldn't have washed his clothes ever. Even the butt of his of his sweatpants look like he shit them. Like it's it's, it's so <laughs> grimy and dirty, and I think impactful and important in the way that they they show this progression. And I I just like for my own personal experience of having watched them and fallen in love with them without recognizing how horrific that is and then going back and rewatching them and still being able to find so much redemption and an association to him and also to Adrian, these different things. Um, it, it was a very surreal experience for me to watch them again and see all that I had missed. There's so, a, there's so a really good, Oh, go ahead, Roy. Oh, so Sylvester Stallone said that the apartment they filmed in, it's not its not a set, right? It's an apartment. And he said it was so disgusting that it was hard to film. Yeah, it smelled so bad. It was a stink. Right. Yeah. You know, the, th the thing, Brooke, that I like, and I, I was reading an article on this, and they, they said, along the lines of what you're saying, every relationship in these films is in relation to each other, not opposition. And, and I think that's a really cool thing that, again, a lot of stories and movies don't do. And Roy, you alluded to it too. Characters are reflecting on each other in how they relate to each other, not you're an opposite. I mean, even, you know, when you, you get into the movies later where Drago and of course these things are in opposition, but all of the key characters 
he's building this idea of characterization and masculinity in relation to them, not against them. Right. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's, that's kind of a neat setup. Right. And, and, and his character, like you said, Roy is, is really what is the best part of, of these until Rocky six, when, um, there's, there's no character left, which is too bad. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I mean, I love that where this is a film about relating in Melissa, to your point in a, in an environment where a relation isn't really valued, right? There's still this real standoffish masculinity. And here's this character who's trying to find his way in it uh, and relate rather than necessarily oppose it, at least from, from some of the, the reads I got of it. So mm -hmm. it, it is really well set up that way, Roy. So, so the, the, in, in this movie, you don't see Apollo Creed for the first 30 minutes. It, it takes a quarter of the movie before you even see Apollo Creed. So this movie does start out really slow and, and it is deliberate. But I, when I, as I watch it, I can't think of a single scene that I would remove because every single part like reveals more about Rocky. And I, and I think it's just all really important. I, I, I love the, uh, I, not so much when I was a kid. So I will say I've, I've, okay, I've grown up with this movie. When my dad bought his first VCR in like 1982 he brought home like uh, two videotapes. So he probably spent like uh, 500 bucks on his 50 pound VCR, right? But um, so he brought home a like uh, Fantastic Four cartoon and he brought home Rocky. Those are the two movies he brought home. And so I've been watching this movie since like 1982. Um, but yeah. I, I, and, and, and initially it was like, man, let's just get to the fight. But like the, 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 the hour that you spend just getting to know Rocky better and trying to understand how damaged he is and i and i, and I agree with brooke right it, this is how um I, I think this is how most of us feel we're all so broken and we all wonder if we can fix ourselves or if we can and move on from our from all the crap we got to go through and 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 rocky slowly does and i do want to say we're, we're gonna get to rocky four at some point and are we which version are we watching uh i think i think we should choose your own adventure Okay. Um, but we should probably talk more about the canonical version rather than the extended. Okay. So I, and, and we'll talk about when we get there, but there's, there's a, in the director's cut, I guess, if you want to call it that, he fixes something in Rocky Ford that always bothered me. Um, when like she, she meets him back up, back up with him in Russia and she says, I'm here to support you. And then he like questions her, right? He says, no matter what. And it just always bugged me. Like, you know she's she's being really vulnerable she's she's saying sorry you know right and she's come all this way out and just just accept that she's there and be happy and in the director's cut that that no matter what is cut out and it's um it just makes a world of difference as far as uh how i enjoy their relationship in that film but anyway um i will also say that uh i think it makes drago much more sympathetic the the new version but yeah, but I think I think you know the context of how much time we've spent with these movies and when we were introduced to them matters yeah. a lot. And like, if you had asked me five years ago, um, you know, the the plot outline of all the Rocky movies, I would have been like, "Well, four he fights Drago, and three is Clubber Lang." And so two is Hulk Hogan, and, <laughs> which, and and like and I'm like oh well, Apollo Creed, and it's like and I like conflated 
Rocky one and two together. And I still get confused. Like what's in the first movie, what's in the second movie. Yeah. And even what's in the third movie. When Rocky yeah. one ends, you're like, wait a second, isn't there another fight? Yeah, <laughs> wait, what? Where what happened to this? Yeah. Where's the tag team event? Where is WrestleMania? <laughs> yeah. We all know that Rocky two is about his son, right? <laughs> Not about it, fucking anything else, but him and Adrian and his son. I mean, um, yeah, in a lot of ways, that um, that, that that is the that, point of that, that baby. Yes, yeah. we'll. Uh, all right, I'm done. One well, and, and so is Rocky Balboa. Which is, and and that's and that's the other thing is like, well, who's the antagonist in Rocky Six? I don't remember. I'm like, I don't not know. Really, Rocky really defeats one. himself. Like, like I, grows I up. Isn't that? I think, it, I think well, it's the, the I think it's insurance. He beats company. himself with a chicken hand. Yeah. yeah, the antagonist in that movie, Mason the Line Dixon, right? Like he's learning too, right? And so like. Rocky and him, they have their fight, but they all grow from it. Rocky grows, so does Mason the Line Dixon. So yeah, didn't he fight somebody else at the beginning too? No, there, there's there's no boxing match at the beginning of Rocky Balboa. I don't see, and like uh, this is what's going to be so fascinating about about all of this. But you know, I I just I don't know. I I related the story on yours, mine, and theirs, but the. When I learned my my freshman year of, of college that like in a in a film class someone brought up that like you know Stallone wrote this screenplay in three days and then you know said no I'm gonna star in it and they wanted to make like a bigger budget movie and uh, just they were gonna pay him like six figures for the for the uh, screenplay and he's like no i want to be in the movie and so they negotiated down to like okay instead of this being like a 10 million dollar picture with like james con and burt reynolds this is going to be a 1 million dollar movie with sylvester stallone it doesn't matter because you know it's you know nobody it's Fucking a, thank god for that right exactly reynolds <laughs> Although yeah, him, you know, he might have done like the sexy bear rug scene, though. Uh, that would have been nice. It might be. Uh, I mean, it it just, but it's such a different movie and such a different energy. If if it's someone else other than Sylvester Stallone, and the the film becomes like so much more of a personal statement mm-hmm. of like, yeah, this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna create something that I believe in, and I'm gonna take my shot, and. I'm going to do it and it's about me and it is very like egotistical and it is very privileged. Um, but like uh, that was very much held up as like the Socratic ideal of like, this is what it means to, to make a movie. That's, that's what it is. So, so let me ask you this. Let me ask everybody except Roy this because he can't answer, uh, you know, impartially. Um, is the story, behind rocky glossing or or does it augment the movie itself like do we like this movie more because of the story rather than the fact that it's whatever kind of movie it is right oh i completely agree or is it really that good of a movie that that's always goes goes back to because the story is such a large part into why this was successful and i'm just kidding roy you can answer because but i i know what your answer is going to be um but that's what I wonder, like how much of it is really how cool it was. Like, like Roy, you said all of it that went into this person's journey that's manifested on the screen. 
are are we devaluing or overvaluing the movie because of what went on behind it? Um, so I don't, if you I listen don't to the Unspooled podcast, yeah. Paul Spear struggles with this question throughout the entire podcast. I, you mentioned something like that, so I'm interested on your I take. I go on. back and forth on it a lot. Because there's parts of me that's like, what is this like masterpiece? And then I'm like, but it's also complete hot garbage. But then you watch all the little nuanced things that they just magically got right. And I, it's like, it's one of those movies where I watch it and you forget that they're acting. You forget that that this isn't their real life. You forget that this isn't like, it's done so perfectly yeah in, so, in this some... gross way that it's like <laughs> i think that and the way that they bring out the character interactions the way that it's so intricately intertwined with these different themes and all the stuff that like if when i went back through and watched it this time it was taking notes and was being critical instead of just having the experience of it it's just as good to me so I had the same experience when Andy came on our podcast and we did this. I'm like, okay, I know I love this movie, but I'm going to watch this critically. And and I think I enjoyed it even more having done so. And I will just say like the writing, right? Like there's certain lines in this that are just so pitch perfect, like the where's your hat? And there's just there's just little things like that where the writing's great. So I think the story's fun. And and it like the the movie Rocky is kind of about making the movie Rocky right him taking his one shot and maybe his career is over and, and and none of this will matter i think the backstory behind it is neat and i think maybe it adds to the mystique but like uh um uh, like brooke said when i watch it like critically i don't need that to inform me that i think it's a really good movie but um i, I mean it it adds to it i i think right it's kind of hard to divorce the two it, i agree and and it it, it enhances it for me. And I think it is the difference for me between what I think is like a, a good passable first movie that got a lot of things right. Some on accident, some wholly intentional, um, but uh, that, that then improved in the future series. And that way it reminds me so much of um, clerks reminds me of, Star Wars. Um, it reminds me of a, a lot of other kind of first films in in franchises that um, they sort of got some. They got a lot of things right, but the you know the the making of the film was also pretty legendary. And wait, uh, yeah, were Adrian and Rocky brother and sister? No. Oh, you said it reminded you of that's Star Wars. The, that's, yeah, the, were. that's the Utah version of this film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Roy, I think you're right on. I, I don't think this movie is half as good if Stallone isn't in it. Like, I just don't think he can write it and give it to someone else. Because like you're saying, all of the nuance is even better nuance because, you know, he drove it. He he sweat, bled for it, and, and he's in it. So... Like all of those little nuances and things you're picking out about the movie, if he's not in it, if it's James Caan or Burt Reynolds or whoever, it it's not nearly as meaningful. Yeah. So and I agree with you. Aren't you glad they didn't have to give him like some extra like challenge to overcome? Like 
Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, it just wasn't even necessary. This, uh, But it seems like the kind of thing that happens in these movies all the time. Like, he's training's going well, and maybe he's got a shot. And, oh, no, now, like, he broke his hand, but can he win anyway, right? Or something stupid like that. He um, already had enough challenges. Yeah, like he had a friend named Polly. Well, no, poverty. Poverty. I think stank. his stank. world was really small. Like, um, when you live in that part of, like, South Philadelphia, you're, like, your whole world is, like, you know, a half-mile radius. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't have the means to go anywhere else. It's like the place where dreams go to die, usually. And, and I feel like he overcame all of that. Because, I mean... The fact that it was set when it was fucking cold outside the whole time, you know, in the winter, I don't think that's a mistake because they're, they're, they really set the place. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the how mm-hmm. doldrum and gray and cold and just very, it, it looked, I mean, the streets are filthy, you know, somebody pointed out that earlier and, and, they really made you feel the place. It was almost like another character in the story because it really brought home the reality uh, of Rocky's existence and anybody who lives there. You're, you know, your world is very small in a sense, and a lot of people never escape it. And one of the fascinating things I find about this movie is the characterization. Like, it's almost a duality. Like, he, one moment he's he thinks he can talk to this girl, little, you know, 13 year old girl and, and give her advice. And the next he he's like back to being a bum, you know, one minute he's training thinking he, he, you know, he's going to go the distance, even if he doesn't win. And then the next minute he's like, what was I thinking? You know, I'm not going to win this, you know? And, and so it just, there's this duality with Rocky that I, I really, the character that I really kind of appreciate. And I think going way back, somebody had said, why is he friends with Polly? I think it is that duality. Like he, in, in some ways he's, he's an innocent, even as he's world weary and lives in terrible conditions and stuff. In some ways he's got a little bit of that innocence in him. And I think he, he knows Polly's an asshole, but he also wants to see better in him like he wants to see better in himself than just being a bum or you know a, a thumb breaker for some low rate loan shark do you understand what I, am i making sense y'all i i feel like totally. i'm kind yeah. of rambling here but it's perfect it's, it's, there's a duality to to his characterization uh, characterization throughout the entire movie and i think Polly, his friendship with Polly is a part of that. He wants to see the better side of him, because Polly's not always an angry drunk. Sometimes he's okay, you know, not much, but you know, a robe. <laughs> he has <laughs> when he's asleep, probably. Um, so Polly makes good for himself. He's able to hire a two hundred fifty dollars prostitute. So I mean, look at that. Oh yeah. So, uh, for in Paulie's world, that's a big step up. <laughs> well, with all the with all the money he made from selling the ads on uh, Rocky's robe, yeah. So he got like three thousand bucks for that, which like in today's money is like is like thirty one hundred dollars or something. So, if my inflation calculator is correct. But um, yeah. So anyway, I I I think part of what I love and hate about this movie, though, is how different his characterization is depending on the time. And I think it's because he probably 
wants to be a certain person, which is why he takes the fight and why he's more interested in going the distance than just winning. Um, he has to prove to himself that he is this person that he wants to be. And that's why he goes back and forth between thinking he can give advice and then thinking he's a bum. Who is who? Who is he to give advice? Does do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like I totally agree, Melissa. And I think had they left some of that shit out, like if they had left out the grimy parts of Rocky, this movie wouldn't be what it is. Mm-hmm. They had to show the duality. They had to show his disgusting apartment where he has to specify the difference between the turtles and the marbles. He had to show like this, like that he was a product of that, that external character, which is Philadelphia. I think think you're spot on. I think you'll all be happy to know that cuff and Link are both still alive. Shut up for real. Turtles apparently live a really long time. So yeah, but are those two specifically? Do yeah, we know that they are for real? They were one hundred percent. They were still, they were still, baby turtles then, right? So they he can still own some. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Shut up. Yeah. That's the most charming thing I have ever heard. I know. <laughs> I know. It's really adorable. I love. I'm it. guessing Moby Dick and Butt Kiss haven't made it. Oh, this no. <laughs> really was his dog. So Sylvester Stallone was living in a car with that dog while he was getting ready to make this movie. Yeah, he sold the dog, right? And oh, then no. yeah, he brought, him, he brought him back. I thought I read somewhere or something. Yeah. I don't know. And then he that then actually he all... um is another example, I think, of the duality. Like he he's names a pet Moby Dick and he's making a joke about it at the beginning of the movie, which seems, you know, educated and smart. And yet he, they play him like he's kind of a little bit dumb sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 just funny how they go back and forth, but in a good way that shows like that he's still figuring shit out, you know, in a lot of ways. I think we all are, you know. Yeah, he's um, trying, right? He wants yeah. some culture. And I don't know if you were here when we were talking about it, but he has a Caravaggio painting hanging up in his apartment. Yeah. He he strive he strives to be something else, but I think that you know part of that is like that kind of white male masculine fantasy. You know what I mean? Some of it is that, um, but I think a lot of it is just this desire, a very human desire, no matter who you are, where you come from, to be more. And I also, oh sorry, oh go ahead. I I, I was just gonna say I I think he he accomplishes that. You know that was his goal. Yeah, I feel like um, part of it also is showing, like, the pet store part of it, his pets in his house, the, the fact that Adrian gives him the dog and then he runs with it. I think it's a very important part of this script that that he feels okay. so out of place, that he has this detachment from these different things while trying to form community around him not breaking the guy's finger, like wanting to rely on Mickey as this sort of like mentor and different things. And when he's unable to do it, he gravitates to Adrian and he gravitates to the pet store where he goes in and he talks to the birds and says, Hey, it's the giant worm. And he knows butt kiss by name and he has his, his turtles and he brings his fish over and puts it by them. So that he's desperately trying to create community and connection. And he goes where he's able to while still striving so hard on the outside. And I think that's part of the connection between him and Adrian that is obvious from the outside 
as you're watching the movie is part of why these two, not loners, but these two isolated individuals really are drawn to each other and become something together. Their, their love and connection to animals when they don't know how to connect to other people and the community that they're, they're existing within and create between them. I think it's a really important and really beautiful part of the movie. Roy, I know we've we've only got you for a few more minutes here. Do we have anything else, or do we want to start with box office and studio notes? Let's do it. Sure, I, I can't, man. I can't wait to talk about Rocky Two. <laughs> yeah, because there's so it's so great because we just oh, get Rocky to keep two. keep going on it. Okay, this movie, as I mentioned before, was not only the number one movie of 1976 in the U.S. It was the number two movie in 1977. Oh, wow. Coming behind Star Wars. Oh, wow. This thing thing had legs. This thing stuck around in cinemas for... I mean, uh, did you see his thighs? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, I mean, this this came out in November of 1976, but, uh, you know, stuck around all through the... Uh, all through the spring, and then went on that amazing Oscar run, winning Best Picture, Best Director, other uh, other nominations uh, included. Uh, well, okay, sorry, Stallone didn't win Best Actor. He lost to Peter Finch in Network, and Talia Shire was nominated for Best Actress, and Burt Young was nominated, and Burgess Meredith were both nominated in Best Supporting Actor. Uh, so, so good for both of them. Uh, sadly, um, left out of that Carl Weathers. I think, uh, uh, early studio note would have been to push Carl Weathers instead of Burt Young as I think, uh, just, yeah, he's obviously great. Um, box office for this thing though, on a budget of under a million dollars. Uh, this made one hundred and seventeen point two million, adjusted for inflation. That's just over half a billion dollars, five hundred and four million, um, and an additional one hundred and seven worldwide. So, uh, th- I mean, this is this is a billion dollar movie uh, today if it's released. In terms of in terms of how well it does, just absolutely dominating everything. Uh, that being said, bring on the studio notes. What would we change about this if if we had the ability? I do believe that you could do the date scene differently. Agreed. I, I don't think that That's that was one. an integral part of their character development. I think that it, it played out the way that they probably, of what they knew for the time and its representative. But I think that um, there are parts of that that could have been changed. I think that yeah. walking her home, I think having a conversation as they go to her house and as she gets there and Polly's being belligerent or badgering or whatever, um, I think that he still could have gone in for the kiss. I think that some of those things could have played out in this way where like, stop telling her not to feel bad about her Turkey. Stop dismissing (laughs) her feelings. Stop. Like, 
he could still be him and they could connect in these weird and awkward ways and these ways that like she has to pull him out of some of that still like i i don't think they have to take all of it out for the time and for what it was but it didn't have to go into hit like he doesn't lock mickey in the house when he walks in he doesn't lock the doors any other time that he goes in the apartment so so there are things that i think could have been done differently um, yeah, how great would it have been if he, if he had walked her home and then they get close to her house and then she initiates the kiss right or holding his hand Aww. or just like just or just hands. pushing her shoulder into him yeah in a in a yeah. way that's like hey i don't know how to do this either like or they're ice skating because i think in the second rocky he mentions like that he thinks that she was falling on purpose so that he'd have to catch her and and so if if you think think of the hijinks if they'd fallen while ice skating and her lips accidentally landed on his lips (laughs) (laughs) oh boy yeah i think that there there were a lot of ways to like be awkward but not yeah and i think that whenever they decided to have their first kiss it definitely needed to be super awkward because i'm under the impression that rocky maybe is a 30 year old virgin here and adrian definitely is Mm -hmm. yeah so anyway yeah good call other studio notes well you know we didn't even once mention the score Holy cow, the score in this film is incredible. And I, what a what a huge thing it was for them to say, $1 million budget, but guess what? We're doing a four, full orchestral score. And even like the the opening credits, you just... Anyway, that's not really notes because um, they did it just fine. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, Pay Bill Conti more money. That's my notes. Yeah, I guess so. Like, um, Although I, I, I'm, I'm uh, bringing some of John's energy in here. I know he doesn't like the vocalizations in <laughs> "Gonna Fly Now." Gonna working, try now. <laughs> working hard now. Hard now. <laughs> uh, I I think yeah I think that could have used a little bit of punch up, but yeah, so that does feel a little awkward because the score is so good, and then out of nowhere, it's like, uh, yeah, gets get a, some better singers. It's um, the old it's the old Steely Dan. They're just throwing lines in there. <laughs> okay hey um it's a pleasure talking uh with you guys about any movie um but uh of course uh rocky's special to me and so thank you for letting me on and thank you for uh letting me bulldoze you all out of the way while i just talked a lot uh, hey roy thank you for joining me and all of us to talk about it like especially having this be the one that i put up um yeah. i'm yeah. so glad you're here to talk about it and love it like we all do yeah oh i love it and i love all of your uh views and opinions and it, it's wonderful you guys make me better better people so um can't wait to talk about rocky 2 spoiler alert he wins <laughs> it's what and they finally go on a date to the zoo <laughs> a real date to the zoo a real yeah. date to the zoo okay uh okay thanks Ray. we'll uh we'll see you next time all right listen it's not my it's not my fault i was bored because the movie was so slow i can't help it uh-huh. That's why it's, it's, I know everybody. Everybody hates me for it, but I just I was. He's he's a great character, but I'm like this movie could have been an hour twenty, and I would have loved it. Well, that I mean that's a legitimate studio note. Like yeah. you could you could tighten it up, and uh, yeah. Um, I one other thing that I think uh, dates this movie in a very poor way 
is um, the the Lone Shark's driver, I, whose name I think is Eddie. Oh yeah. oh yeah. He he calls Adrian the R word. And yep. regardless, I don't I mean, even if he were to use a more uh PC term, uh, even if we would were to call her like developmentally disabled or something, mm-hmm. still not right. Yeah. Um I I think there's a way to signify this guy's a douchebag without him, uh, you know, denigrating Adrian like that. Yeah. So, um, although I do like the idea that he told uh, Rocky to take her to the zoo, which <laughs> is cute. That that date at the zoo is uh, uh, cute in in the next movie. But yeah. Um, any other studio notes? I have one. Go for it. Well, besides the the whole date scene, and yeah, yeah. obviously. Um, but I, I think I said all I want to on that one. So my other one is about uh, Apollo Creed. So there's a the scene where they're they're doing the interviews, and um, they kind of walk into racism a little there you know like um i forget the quote exactly but he said it's something along the lines of um you uh, what the hell did he, the reporter say thing about like you're fighting a white guy you know and, and, right. and asking about that i wish they leaned more into that and, mm-hmm. and the implications the social implications this isn't that kind of movie to do it but i really wish they had because there's a lot that went unsaid there that could have been said. And I actually think that despite the fact that this movie feels a little conservative in, in a way, that they probably were, if they explored that, that they would have been on the right side of it. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the conundrum of, you know, Sylvester Stallone at, you know, uh, at 30 is probably conservative and definitely conservative by our standards, but like at the time saying like, Hey, this guy's the heavyweight champion of the world. You should respect him. He's, you know, he's great. He's kind of progressive on racial issues compared to like, you know, the strong Thurman's of the world. Yeah. (laughs) That's not saying much. That's that's not a great yardstick, (laughs) but but that, that is the, you know, you know, that was what the, what the debate was, you know, uh, you know, putting up this canard of the, you know, the racist bartender who doesn't like him, uh, who doesn't like Apollo Creed because he's black. Um, yeah, but I, I agree, Melissa, and I do wish they had leaned into that a little more. Yeah. Because I like that. Yeah, I was surprised they went as far as they did, honestly, because again, this is just not that type of movie that. It, they're not purposely trying to make social commentary, even though I feel it's sort of all over this movie. I think a lot of it was probably unintentional. Some of it was intentional. And I think some of it was like unintentional. Um, like, totally. I feel like there was a lot of subtext about the haves and the have nots. Only it was reversed this time because, you know, Apollo Creed is the have and Rocky is the have not the white dude. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. It's very interesting. And I wish they leaned into that some as well. Yeah. Um, but this, again, not that type of movie. And I get that. But I think you can be a, an inspirational sports movie uh, about the underdog and still 
have something to say other than underdog good, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't just have to be David and Goliath straightforward. There can be a lot more, but again, product of its time, the world wasn't really ready for that, honestly, right. which is exactly the best time to do it, of course, but this was not a risk taking movie. Right. Well, it's, and I, that, that's why I, I feel like the, the bead that I get on Rocky politically is really similar to what I get on Top Gun Maverick. Mm. It's not intentionally being political, but the fact that it has tried to so sand down all of its potential like political implications is a political statement in and of itself. Yeah. And that it's, it was so designed to be inoffensive and but still very much on the side of like the military industrial complex kind of fucking rocks right like we can all be behind this and you know the guy can still get the girl and be a hero um so it i don't know i i feel like it it stumbles into this thing intentionally by with with something that is political that everybody can say like, well, it's not political. And it's like, yeah, but it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you know what Rocky is to me? It's kind of like Springsteen, right? Mm. Like this, like Springsteen is this voice for this whole subsection of America. And I really feel like, and again, this is my take. Some people just don't understand it. But it's because it's speaking to this subsection that people don't they don't live in, right? They don't they don't deal with on a day to day basis, right? And and so much of that is like this movie where it's political and it's socio cultural because that's the nature of how it was made. That's the nature of the city and the environment and the character. Um, but other people aren't going to see it like that, right? Some people are just going to watch Rocky and go, "Guy's a terrible boxer." Well, that's not what the point, right? Like there's, it's, it's a, it's a microcosm of what's going on. And Melissa, I think you brought that up earlier. It's a microcosm of Philadelphia. And there's, there's a lot of that in, and, and I get that from Springsteen too, because, you know, some people just don't like Springsteen and some people like just, he speaks to who we are and our, this part of our world and who we vote for and how we live and who we love and, and it's really interesting, right? How this voice can come out of a place that a lot of people just don't understand. Anyway, that's that was one of the things we had discussed the last time I watched Rocky. Is um, you know almost like that? Like there are people's voices that that kind of represent an area, and a lot of other places just don't get it. It's kind of like what we discussed with Candyman. Yeah, it has yeah, that same exactly. that same feel for that particular city in that space, like. There, there are these, and it's why some of these remakes kind of lose some of that, that magic because a lot of it wasn't intentional, but it was so important. Yeah. And I do, Melissa, I agree with you. I wish they had leaned into that more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Any other studio notes? Okay. Best one-liners or quotes and style points. If you do a Stallone impression. 
<laughs> oh god, I'm the worst at impressions. You don't want me to do. That. Wait, have, has nobody before I came on? Nobody did a Stallone impression. Not yet. No. Nope. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I thought y'all would have. Oh no, because you know Marco's not here. That then we would have had can't twenty of them before. Can't beat him. Yeah. Nope. Uh, who? What are your favorite? Yeah, you don't have to do impressions. <laughs> yeah. Um. Who? Who's got favorite lines? Uh, one of the ones I wrote down was, um. You gotta eat lightning and crap thunder. <laughs> oh, oh! You do a Burgess Meredith impression. <laughs> oh wait, no. Wow. That's the other funny thing. That, that was like Oswald Cobblepot, not Meredith. Where were you Think about it this way: Batman '66, the nineteen sixty-six Batman movie came out eight years before this. Think yeah. about what Burgess Meredith looks like as the penguin. And yeah, he looks like he's in like his 50s or 60s. He looks like he aged 30 years in eight years to become Mickey. Like, I don't know what what happened. Like the years he just all caught up to him. He, he obviously did. He crapped a lot of thunder. You're gonna, you're right. gonna eat lightning and crap thunder. <laughs> oh, let's see. I I like the because I can't sing or dance, right? That's why he wants to fight. Um, I like the what's the Einstein flunked out of school twice. Mm-hmm. I think Rocky's got a good chance. Yeah. Um, what's so your, your your nose is broken? It's an improvement. That's always yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah, that's laughs> um, all I want to do is go the distance. Seeing that bell ring and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life that I'm not just a bum. That's good. That's a good one. Um, my my favorite. She's got gaps. I got gaps. <laughs> Together we fill gaps. And I think that's the the heart of the movie. The the, the literal heart. Um, that. Ultimately, this is about Rocky and Adrian, and um, that you know he he says something about like uh, your your mind isn't good, so you better you know work on using your body. And she's like, "Oh yeah, well, my mom said the same thing, except the opposite." And he's like, "Hey, you know, we're kind of perfect for each other because I'm dumb and you're smart and." you know, we can, we can sort of take care of each other. I'm like, that's, that's kind of cute in a dysfunctional way, but it's cute. I mean, but you can say that in in a non dysfunctional way and it's still the same premise, right? Like you look for someone who fills, um, it's the opposites attract, right? You look for somebody who makes you better. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times that's filling in areas that you're not good at. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, in a weird way, that is kind of the the most pertinent and, like you said, cute part of this film um, is they they really connect dots for each other. Yeah. So, and even the one on the so, top is. Oh, go ahead. Even more so as they go forward. Yeah. Yeah. The one on the top is cuff. The other ones link. The rest are all marbles. <laughs> cuff and <laughs> Because he has to point out that they're marbles. (laughs) 
The script. How did this get nominated for an Academy Award? The script. <laughs> All they're going to remember is the whore on the corner. Yeah, I don't I know. know. There are some winners. I can't believe it. That's crazy. Um, okay, speaking of Cuff and Link, those are my favorite side characters. Um, who do you, who do y'all have as best side characters in this movie? I mean, mine is Mickey, Mickey's and I great. I know it's because of who he becomes, but he I think he plays this pivotal role of being the one thing that like keeps pushing Rocky out of settling. I don't, I don't even know if it's intentional taking the, the locker away, telling him that he's just a loan shark. And when he shows up to try to, and, and Mickey's, Oh God, Mickey's scene when he puts his head against the door and he goes, God, I'm 76. Fuck. Like that scene breaks me because you can see that he regrets so much of what he's done and, and not investing in Rocky and Mickey's definitely like, I know he goes on to become, not a side character and to become my favorite one of my favorite parts of the shows but his being a side character in this movie i think is done perfectly yeah he that really is heartbreaking that when he's trying to convince rocky to let him be his manager yeah. like he pulls out those clippings mm-hmm. you know like he hangs on to them like that's yeah. all he's got, you know this hanging on to what passes for glory days for him it's uh heartbreaking and i don't want to like him because rocky's not wrong when he's like you you know he could have helped him earlier where was he before you know and Mm -hmm. he only wants him now that he's going to fight the champ but the desperation to like even go there the 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 pride he had to swallow to even knock on his door you know what i'm saying like yeah heartbreaking yeah the pride but still belief in himself yeah like that he could do it yeah I have three favorite side characters for you. Andy, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, favorite side character number one, Sylvester Stallone's dad as the timekeeper, Frank Stallone. (laughs) Favorite side character two, Frank Stallone, his brother, as Street Corner Singer. Street Corner Singer, who who also shows up in the second one again. That's right. (laughs) And favorite side character three, Apollo Creed's bodyguard, played by... Michael Dorn from Star Trek. Played by Worf. Yep. <laughs> my three favorite side characters. To to that point, um, Duke has a really small part in this movie. Like, again, it's hard to divorce, like, what he becomes in later movies. But, like, he, he's a great character in this yeah, movie, too. He's, like, the only one's like, Apollo, you should watch out what this white boy's doing. He's like pounding meat in a freezer like you should be worrying about this he's like oh, i'll worry about it yeah like yeah he's yeah all of apollo's entourage are awesome yeah i i want to make an argument for apollo creed being my favorite side character That's because i one. don't think he was in this movie enough agreed mm. he agreed. The way he's so savvy, the way he understands how it all works, and even some of the cynicism that he displayed because of that, it's fascinating to me. And I really wish they'd featured him more. And I know you already think this is movie is too long, JB, but honestly, if the if the parts they added were Apollo, would you would you be mad? No. And in yeah. fact that probably would have made it 
again, I, I feel like parts of it drag and I wonder if that would have been a good remedy yeah. in the other part. Yeah, I totally agree, Melissa. That would yeah. have been really interesting. None of the parts with Apollo drag, though. No, not good. They're yeah. all snappy, but there's not enough of them. You know, at least you want more. I agree. In a big way. And then my other favorite side character is the sides of beef. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's very good. Oh, that's perfect. Very good. I do have oh, to say God. that the sides of beef, like, it bothers me every fucking time I watch this movie. Really? How fucking wasteful. There's no way they can sell that after he beats the crap out of him. He's totally ruining them. And like, of course, beef. I would have thought they would. Yeah. I would have thought that would tenderize him. Yeah. You just want to hit the right part, but he's not, I just, I I can't like my, the way that my brain compartmentalizes when I watch those scenes, it just like, it's Uh so disturbing to me. Hmm. Interesting. See, I always saw it as a net positive. I'd be like, hey, this meatpacking plant should, like, uh, you know, have Rocky come by all the time and, like, you know, take some, like, grade C beef and turn it um, turn it tender by, you know, pounding the flesh a little bit. Yeah. All right. Just heard from Roy. His favorite line is, where's your hat? Oh, yeah. And his yeah. favorite side character is also Duke. Yay. Duke is um oh Melissa you'll you'll like this in uh in the next movie uh spoiler alert we get um the return of Sharky as the meat plack uh, the meat packing plant manager uh, <laughs> so uh very excited for that um we stand a legend Sharky from that terrible Bond movie uh anyway um best song i know score right i mean it has to be the score that's an iconic score yeah i think just yeah the main the main title themes here's a question though like across all of the films what do you think is the more iconic rocky song is it is it gonna fly now or is it eye of the tiger it might be Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, because... Eye of the Tiger, I think. It's... Because it, it... You can listen to that on, like, a radio station, but they, they're probably not going to play the other one on a radio station. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's, That's true. Yeah. So it just reached a wider audience, probably. Yeah, I think that helps. Roy says his favorite song is You Took My Heart Away. Yeah. I know he he loves that one. There, yeah. Um, and is this a good movie? I'll answer for Roy that his answer is yes. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 Um, but but JB will quibble with its inclusion on like the AFI top one hundred inclusion in the national. Library of Congress. The hardest thing for me about it is can you divorce yourself from what the movie means between what the movie is, right? And that was Roy and my big debate, right? Like, this is an incredibly important film, right? Mm -hmm. 
like how, what it represents to America, what it represents, Melissa, as you said, in the 70s and 80s. It's incredibly important. And the movie is a reflection of that. To me, is the movie well made? Right. Like it is it a Godfather, Godfather Two, crisp, right? All those things. No, it's not. But, you know, Roy makes a good point by saying mm-hmm. that's the whole point. Right. Like maybe that's the nice part of this movie is the simplicity of which it's made augments the movie itself. And for me, eh, I, I'm with Melissa. If you if you cut some time off and do some other things, maybe more so. But to your but point, I feel like yeah, go Roy ahead, is not saying that. I feel like Roy is saying it is skillfully and artfully made. Right. It's that's what I mean. Like, like he's, he, yeah, he's I saying agree with Roy. I'm like all team Roy on this one. I think. I enjoyed this film more than I enjoyed Godfather. I thought it was better made. I thought it it was it flowed better. I thought the transitions between scenes and the character development, I think everything about it was better than Godfather. Yeah. And I would and I would disagree, but that's why it's so fun to do this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I that that's just the, to answer your question, Andy, no. There are few I think more especially in this era, more important films, thus more films necessitating. I mean, it's kind of like when we're going to talk about other films. I mean, how many films have kept to a formula that a certain film started with, right? I mean, how many films are basically Rocky light? And that's, that's the thing is, you know, the movie's so great. They remade it six times and, and then made every other film in the nineties be the exact same thing. Right. Yeah, and it's it's not that there weren't like other boxing movies prior to this, but every boxing movie owes something to Rocky. True. Every inspirational sports movie owes something to Rocky. And, and I think and I think yeah. the interesting point to Brooks' point is that I may not even think this is a boxing movie. Right? It's a love story. It it it's a character development love story yeah there's very little about boxing your best boxing movie is rocky three or rocky four probably yeah more significantly better quote-unquote boxing movies but i mean or creed yeah but i mean brooke you you raise an excellent point where this movie is sort of a misnomer of what the movie's really about right and and i think maybe that's part of why it's it's better than many people would give it credit for is if you look at it as a character build you know, a love story, a, 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 a man trying to find his way um, in in this dirty, you know, two block radius. Um, there's a lot to be said for it. Right. Um, and whether or not you quibble over the steady cam and blah, 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 blah. I have I have no problems saying that it's an incredibly important um, and, and visionary almost film in a lot of ways. Yeah. So and is the main character, Rocky Balboa, a good person? Yes. I mean, he, yeah. He, yes, except for well, rape. I mean, he's, I think he's, he's a whole person. person and flawed yeah. and good. Yeah, I agree with Brooke. I think, I think he's a good person, but I think he's he's growing and he's recognizing it, and that's really cool. Should we show this to children? I mean, if they'll sit still for it. Yeah. I don't know if they'd get it. 
mean, the Fillmore's all enjoyed it. I think we have to have a talk with them about consent. Yeah. yeah. It's a submission, you know? Absolutely. I but think that's a talk to have. I think I would have, I would watch this with her. Absolutely. Yeah. So Prue has not seen these movies? Mm-mm. My kids haven't seen these movies either. So I don't think, I think they know what Rocky is, but. Because it's, it's so out there. I, I, I wonder, I mean, because we watched these when we were younger too. I never would have reached for the first one. And I wonder if the kids would be the same, right? You reached for four or three or, or ones that, you know, you know what I mean? For the reason of they were the bombastic, um, you know, more action-driven films. I, I wonder, like you said, if kids would gravitate towards this one versus the other ones just because of thematically what it was about i'd i'd be interested you know brooke i i'll ask the kids here if if they'd even thought about seeing it um i don't know if it would even be on their radars it's an interesting thought yeah yeah and i i mean i think one of the reasons i get these movies all mixed up with each other is that how i experienced watching them growing up was like they would just always be on TV one right after the other. And right. so it's like, wait, where did Rocky end and Rocky two begin? I don't know. Like I, uh, there was a commercial break. I got up, I made a sandwich. I came back down. I turned it over to MTV. I turned it back and I, it's, it's still Rocky going. So I don't know. Now he's chasing a chicken. Now, now he's fighting Clubber Lang. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know where, you know. Well, and so. it's interesting because one and two have always been my favorites. Huh. Again, mm-hmm. I watched them when I was older, but they are the ones that aren't really the boxing movies. And when it got into boxing, like, and part of this is a problem in me in that I can't watch movies about fights or even like UFC fights on TV without right. actually wanting to punch the fucking television and just start beating people up. Like it, it, it unlocks this rage in me that like oh. I genuinely want to start fighting things. And so maybe that's part of why I like one and two more <laughs> because it's like human experience versus just like beat up the Russian machine. Um, but it, I, I'm interested to watch them with prudence one day and, and get her take on them. And hopefully you don't beat her up. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I know. <laughs> my nephews and nieces, though, like my my brother in law, these are his favorite films, and his kids were raised on them, and they all love them. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how tonally different, in a lot of ways, they are, though, right, Brooke? Like, yeah. I mean, I I watched three and four first, so when I go back to one and two, they're not worse films; they're just so different, um, mm-hmm. thematically and tonally, but. Um, yeah, that's really cool that you like the first two, you know, in, in a similar vein, those are the ones you gravitated to and, and remember the most. So that's really neat. It's cool that, a, that a, a series of films can do that, right? Yeah. Like everybody yeah. picks out favorite ones except for the sixth one. Um, for that reason, I don't know anybody who liked the Rocky Balboa though, Andy. So what? I thought everybody loved the Rocky Balboa. I thought it was five that everybody hated. I can't remember which one that maybe it was five, but yeah, five's the street fighting one with brain damage and, oh, and yeah. Rocky Six is the uh, Rocky Balboa's the uh, um, the redemption story. Yeah, that's true. It is five. 
Five's the one I'm thinking of. Five's the, yeah. But again, it's fun because it's like, not that these movies are interchangeable, but the only one where you know it's like uh, exactly what it is is Rocky Four. It's like, oh, that's that's Drago. It's that's, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to talk with you all about Creed because I, I kind of feel like Creed did a nice mashup of Rocky One and Rocky Four, right? I, I, I thought it had really good characterization, really good plot line, and the boxing was solid. Yes. So um, it'll be interesting to when we get to that point. I'm excited. I'm really excited that. about that. And also, I think Ryan Coogler is an amazing filmmaker. So, uh, and yeah. Michael B. Jordan really wants makes me want to get back in the gym. So that's a good <laughs> incentive to see him. I'm like, man, I need to get a sledgehammer because he looked good. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week is Rocky II. Um, we will be here with that. Um, make sure you subscribe to our Patreon because we're going to talk about Lords of Flatbush on there. And Hot garbage coming in. <laughs> so that'll be all sorts of crazy. Um, and and then we'll be. Is that is you don't want to listen. Is that how you're going to start every Patreon episode with something like that? <laughs> awesome. Hot garbage. There's going to be some 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 crazy talk on on Lord, Lords of Flatbush. So. I'm going to be feeling some secrets. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's going to be all sorts of all sorts of crazy talk, uh, and then we're going to be talking about Hitchcock. So, um, getting getting cocky with Hitchcock. Uh, all, all on the Patreon and uh, do that. But join us next week uh, for Rocky 2. And until then, um, I'll give you a kiss goodbye. And But you should... I, I should really ask for consent first and not just say, like, uh, and if you don't want to kiss me back, then that's okay. But but bye-bye, all. <laughs> you ever have to take your fucking glasses off before the game? <laughs> Damn right. Melissa, I want the glasses. Oh, man. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.